thank you so much for coming. Um, Sarah and I are so blessed to share, uh, not just with you guys, but to share the stage, so to speak, with um, Bill and Jeanette, who are going to speak after us, but also with Bob and Christy. Um, it's, it's odd when we get to sit up here and we feel like the rookies. Um, and here we are, definitely the, the, the youngest, uh, the least amount of years married of the, the three couples who are sharing, but um, we're just super blessed to be able to um, share with you guys and encourage you guys. And so um, if it's all right, I'm going to pray and then we'll get started for our second session. So Lord, we just ask that you would have your hand on our conversation, Lord, on what Sarah and I um, have had on our hearts to share with this group this morning. Lord, we just realize that this is a time that you have set aside for us to be here. And we recognize, God, that um, you have a plan for it. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak through us and that you would, um, Lord, just use this for your glory. God, we so desperately want you to be glorified, not only in our lives, but in our marriages, Lord, because we recognize how important this relationship is. And so, Jesus, have your way. We just ask, Lord, that you be glorified in everything that's said and that you would encourage us, you would build us up for good works. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Just checking. Okay. Is your microphone on? Hello? <laughs> yep. Yep. On and Okay, I'll move it. On and off. <laughs> Um, you guys, the, the purpose of this seminar, as I was thinking about it, and it's really, this was Bill's vision um, from the beginning, but the purpose that came to my heart for wanting to participate and to do this is to share biblical perspectives on marriage, um, to share our personal experiences so that we can encourage you guys. And I, I just recognize that not all of you have had the chance to kind of hear some of our story and hear where we've been and what the Lord's brought us through. And so we just wanted to share like at the very beginning, just a little bit about who we are. Some of you are, are members of this church and some are not. And so, um, my name's Mike and this is Sarah and, and I'm the lead pastor here at transform. And the reason that I'm able to do this is because of this woman. So the reason why I'm able to do ministry and the reason why I've been effective in any shape or form in ministry is because the Lord um, completed the picture of my life with my wife. And so I just have to give her so much credit, um, not because, you know, she's an idol that I worship, but because she is the provision that God gave to me in order to do what I do. Um, and I just cannot overstate the importance of her being by my side and a support system for me um, as, as I've done ministry over the years. Um, as, as we talked about before, um, we've been married for 21 years, and uh, we met because I went away to Bible college in California when I was a teen, and my sister, my older sister, uh, gained this really great best friend that a bunch of guys that I knew were really interested in. In fact, one of them had talked to me about her, and so when I came back, I met the girl they've been talking about, which was my older sister's best friend. By the way, that hasn't caused any issues between my sister and I that I stole away her best friend and made her my wife. Um, but, you know, we came back, we met, um, it was the, the summer of 2000? One. 2001. See, she completes me. Uh, it was the summer of 2001, and um, we met. There wasn't like this massive love connection or anything like that between us. She really didn't care for me that much. I was kind of indifferent. Um, and then as time went on by the fall, 
she couldn't resist me anymore. And um, the <laughs> he had a band. <laughs> All you young guys, I see some single young guys. Let's talk later. Um, but no, I, you guys, it was it was so cool the way the Lord brought us together because um, God drew me to Sarah because of her heart, because of who she was, because of um, she wasn't like any of the other gals. There was just something different. And the Lord put us together very quickly. We got together in December of 2001. And um, by April of 2002, I had proposed. And by August, we were married. And so here we are, 21 years later, five kids. I, I had it all written down at one point, but like a slew of dogs, cats, fish. You know, we've raised turtles. We've had butterflies. We've had butterfly funerals. We've harvested pill bug farms. Um, all the adventures that 20 plus years of marriage brings with five children. And so, you know, it's kind of a thing with, with the couples that come up here. There's a lot of kids. There's, there's, you know, for Bob and Christy, grandkids. For Bill and Jeanette, great grandkids. Any great greats? Not yet? Soon. Um, and so, you guys, like, we are so blessed with the family that God has given to us. Um, but as we've kind of progressed through life and as we've um, walked the road that the Lord's given us, there have been so many times we didn't know what was around the next bend. And something that, that Bob shared in his session was just, um, and I think Christy touched on this as well, is just trusting the Lord for what's around the next turn. Trusting the Lord for whatever he's going to bring next. And that journey never ends. It doesn't matter if you've been married for a day or for 60, 70 years. You still are going to have to trust the Lord for what's around the next turn. Because it's a walk by faith, yes? And that's why Paul encourages the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5. And he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Um, and that's why we were called to the scriptures constantly, as the psalmist was right, to, to look to the Lord's word because his word is a lamp for our feet and it's going to be a light for our path. So if, if people come up and say, so how do you handle this or that or the other? Well, well, this is what we've seen in the past and, and we don't really know what's coming next. But God has given us everything to live godly lives according to Christ Jesus in his word. We're just going to trust that. We're going to look to that. We're going to lean upon that. And so... This morning, what we really wanted to share with you guys is something that I think is really key um, for us as a, as a, a married couple that we've come back to, and that is um, talking about oneness initially, what it means to press towards oneness and realize that it's something that we have to press towards every day. It's something that we're going to have to press in towards and realize that we haven't achieved until the day of Christ Jesus when he completes us, as Philippians 1, 6 would say. Amen. I mean, that's what Philippians 1, 6 says. He will, he will finish what he's begun in you. He'll complete it the day of Christ Jesus. But until then, we're in the process of sanctification. Our salvation is taken care of. That's in Christ. Sorry, sweet. I'm not used to have someone sitting right next to <laughs> um, She's like, I have a lot to say. But you guys, we just recognize that we're in a walk of sanctification. And so wherever you're at in your marriage right now, God knows where he's taking you, God knows what the next step ought to be, and he is going to get you there by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to know that. And the reason is because he has promised us in his word to complete us. And for married people, that is together. He is going to complete us together. He's going to take us on in this journey together because he's called us to oneness. And so 
As we think about oneness, I just want to point out the scripture, and, and I'm sorry to the other two couples. I cheated. I made slides. <laughs> so I know the, the writing's kind of small, but I wanted this all uh, up on the screen for you. And so I'm going to read uh, from Genesis 1. If you want to pull the Bible from the pew in front of you, you can do that as well. But right at the beginning of the scriptures in Genesis 1, I want to read this to you. And this is when God creates mankind. And this is in verse 25 of Genesis chapter 1. It says this. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. Something that we need to note, and I'll let you interject. If you're, I know you're super excited too. <laughs> Uh, did God create a sequel? No, it's just the right answer. <laughs> Please don't give me wrong answers. <laughs> She's like, do I want to destroy this talk? Or, or um, So God created a sequel. Okay. So I think that that's something that we want to look at initially when we look at Scripture is that God says, let's make man in our image. He's talking about human beings. And he even talks in the New Testament, uh, the, the writers in the New Testament will take it further and say we're co-heirs in Christ, right? So we share, Peter will talk about this in, his, in the letter of 1 Peter, he says, he says tr husbands, listen, live with your wives in an understanding way. He says, they're co-heirs in Christ. We share this together. I don't know if you guys realize this, but for, for married couples, you get to share your life with someone who is sharing an inheritance in Christ Jesus with you. I think we should talk about that more. I think we should talk about that as couples more. Can you believe that we're co-heirs in Christ? Can you imagine how much camaraderie and teamwork and encouragement there is for us to look at each other and say, we share something in Jesus together that he called us to partner in for the rest of our lives here on this earth. That's really special. That's really a special gift that God's given, not only to men and women, but as we look at the first marriage here, as we look at Adam and Eve, it's something that we share that's really special between the two of us as a married couple. And so I think that emphasizing that we're equally creating God's image is important. I think that we can look at how Jesus talks about in the Gospel of Mark, how he teaches that in marriage, two individuals become one flesh, and he, he just shores up what was taught in Genesis 2, and he emphasizes that again and says, listen, this is what marriage is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be the two becoming one, and we're not just talking about a physical bond, which is very real. Maybe we'll talk about that more in Marriage Seminar 2.0. I'll let Bill speak to that a lot. Um, but when we talk about physically coming together, we're talking about a mental bond. We're talking about a spiritual bond. We're talking about an emotional bond. And so when we look at marriage in the scriptures, there is to be oneness in all these facets of our lives. And if any of us right now are feeling super confident, I'd be shocked. Because this is something that is required of us to lean on the Lord for. We have to lean on the Lord for this. I don't know. How good are you 
at being one with me on my bad days. <laughs> and I would say the other way around. And the other way around. That's right. It's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's a hard task. It's not something that comes easy. I want you guys to think about a what I would call a very westernized way of thinking. In Western culture, we see this happen a lot where people will talk about themselves as if they are a sphere unto themselves. In other words, you know, when we talk about our lives, we're like, well, I, I kind of deal with people as they're in my sphere. We see, our, we see ourselves as a whole person and, and what we're trying to do. And a lot of times in the church, we do this. I'm trying to allow the Lord to sit on the throne of my life and to have his way with me. Okay. Now, is that, is there anything like necessarily wrong with that? I'd say no, but let me, let me show you something from the scriptures. If you look at this and you look at the character of God, and when he says in Genesis one, let us make man in our image, he is talking about humanity. He's not just talking about men. Does that make sense? You go look up the Hebrew word there. That word is for humanity. It means man and woman together. And so when he says, this is my image, this is what I look like, this is my character, my nature, and who I am, he's talking about men and women both. Now, let me ask you this. How often do you look at your spouse and say, you're from a different planet? No one. Okay, great. <laughs> but you look at him and say, I don't even know how you're thinking the way you're thinking right now. One of the things that we talked about this is like the idea that so often I don't understand what, like how you're thinking and what you're thinking. Or it's hard to fix what you want to fix. You should talk into this because they can't hear you. Here, hold it. Take that. Just hold, just grab this. Grab this no, right here. This no, just grab good. this right this here. Trust me. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so like if I'm not doing well, he'll try to comfort me and often he just can't because Either I'm in such a dark place that I can't hear him or it just takes more time. Or I do hear him, which is nice. But um, it's still hard to pull out of my funk, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's defeating for him because it's like, well, I'm trying to help you, but I don't know how. So it's like still a thing. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And I think that it happens with me as well. When I'm, when I'm frustrated, you'll try and help me. But I won't, I won't hear you out. Yeah. I'll, I'll be in a place of just, you know, yeah. I need to figure this out on my own. How many of you guys feel that? I need to figure this out on my own. All right, good. <laughs> I'm not alone. We're wrong when we do that. Let me, let me just say that right out. We're wrong when we do that, okay? When we say to ourselves, I need to figure this out on my own, we need to rely on the Lord to do this. And I'll say this as well. We need our spouse. We need our spouse to help us with this. And here's why. God's image, his character is not revealed in each person individually. He called us to be one in marriage because together we represent the image of God as one, not apart from each other. We do this together. It's hemispheres. It's not a sphere. We picture my life is just a sphere. That's not how it works. If you look at it biblically, we are hemispheres. We are brought together to do this as a team. And we do, you know, I know it's a Jerry Maguire thing, but we do complete each other. 
That's really what God calls us to do. We can't reveal the true character and the true nature of God. Married couples, we cannot reveal that without being one. Any deviation, any break between the two of us is going to show the world a picture of God that isn't true. That's why oneness is so important in Scripture. That's why our marriages are so important in the Bible when you look at what the Scriptures say about them. And no wonder the enemy wants to tear them apart. No wonder the work of the enemy is so focused on marriage. Why does the enemy want to tear marriages apart? Based off of what I just said. I heard, I heard a whole bunch of it. It's, it's, it was all right. He wants to destroy the world's view of the character and the nature of God. And he gets to destroy you too. If he drives us apart in our marriages, if he drives us apart in any way like that, he not only wrecks us, but he wrecks the way that we represent his character to the world. Destroy the marriage, you destroy the world's view of who God is and of his very nature and very character. It's crazy, you guys, when we view ourselves so often as being alone or standing on our own. This is a me thing. I need some me time. You know, there's nothing wrong with rest. Let me just say this. Sometimes you guys need rest with the Lord in prayer, in the word. That's a good thing. But it's always in the Lord, and he's always going to bring you back together. That time when you spend with the Lord that's in prayer in your own heart and the word as you study, as you read, you realize that he's going to bring you together through that time. If you're feeling more divided, that's not the Lord's work. He's trying to bring you together because he wants you to be one so the world can see his character. So the world can see the wonder and the glory of who he is through the two of you. What's interesting is how often... Um, we have struggled because, I mean, as you guys probably know, this is probably the case for many of you, Sarah and I are polar opposites. We are very different from each other. Um, Bill, what did you call I'm an otter, right? Is that what you called me earlier? He says, Mike, Mike's an otter. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm an extrovert. Sarah's a nodder. <laughs> you have no idea how hard I had to work to get this to happen. <laughs> and do you guys know how many times this has happened before? Zero. This is a first. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. That we're, see, it's not as terrifying as you thought it would be. No, it's fine. You're doing great. You guys, here's the thing is, is we just recognize that, that in all the ways that the scripture shows us that we are hemispheres and that together we show and reveal and celebrate the character of God, that the enemy is going to use those things against us so that we divide. She doesn't understand you. He never listens. She just doesn't like you very much anymore. He thinks you're ugly. You guys, all of these lies that the enemy is going to try and work in there to divide you. It's a tactic. It's a tactic of the enemy. And here's what we need to do. We are not unaware of his devices. We have been told, we have been shown in scripture. So why do we listen to them? Why do we listen when we know what the enemy's devices are? He's a liar. He's a murderer. And of course, he's going to try and create deception in your marriage. And of course, he's going to try to kill your marriage off. It's his nature. So knowing that, we need to go on the counteroffensive. 
First of all, we need to know his attacks. But I want you guys to look at this passage of Scripture as well from Ephesians 4. Do you want to read this aloud for all of us? Okay. (laughs) No. No. Okay, Ephesians 4, you guys, verse 25. This is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and you may notice this. Let me preface this. This is not one of those passages in the Bible that's from the marriage section, right? This isn't, this isn't Peter in, in 1 Peter 3, I think, talking about marriage. This isn't even the part here of Ephesians when you get into chapter 5 and he talks about wives and husbands. This part of the letter to the Ephesian church is about living the new life in Christ. This is for all believers, but I think it has a special emphasis for our marriages. So I want you to notice this. This is in verse 25, and I'll put it up on the screen for you as well. Ephesians 4.25, therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth. Each one to his neighbor. I would say your spouse is your closest neighbor because we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. It's a powerful verse. New Living Translation said, don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't let him take any ground. So I want you to think about this. We need to be proactive by being truthful. We need to be truthful with each other, meaning that we need to have honesty and transparency and we need to have candor with each other. And as I'm using all those words, I'm using them very specifically because lots of times, not that you guys would ever do this, but we can say something hurtful and say, well, I'm just being honest. We can speak the truth, but it's sans love, right? It doesn't have any love in it. Now think about this. I want couples to have candor with each other. It's the same thing as honesty. I'm just using a different word. But here's the connotation behind it. Being honest with one another in a winsome way. Be honest with each other in a way that wins your spouse to you. That doesn't make them feel isolated and away from you. So tell the truth to each other. Be truthful with each other. I think this is not only something that we're supposed to do as church people, as the church of Christ, as as the body of Jesus, but I think that the special emphasis is, of course, we would then do these things with our spouse. Because what's happening in the church on a Sunday morning should be happening at home with your spouse. You should be worshiping God together. You should be praying together, reading the word together, celebrating and breaking bread with each other. Have communion in your home. Pray with your children at home. All of those things on Sunday morning is an outpouring of our daily lives the rest of the week. We're just coming together as a church community to celebrate it. So if we see these types of things happening in the body, they should be happening in our home. They should be flowing out of our homes into the church. I think sometimes we think of that backwards. Well, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get everything right. And I want that to flow into my home. Is that a true mindset when you look at the scriptures of how it ought to work? God wants to flow out of our homes into the lives of others. We come on Sunday morning to share with each other, to fellowship with each other, to share in both the the things of mourning and the things of joy, to rejoice together, to cry together. It's an outpouring of what's happened in our week. And yes, it'll encourage you and it'll strengthen you to go into your homes, but your home is supposed to be flowing into the church. Therefore, your marriage, the most important human relationship that you will have on this planet, needs to flow into your relationships in the church. 
And so here, being truthful for the church, it begins with being honest and truthful with each other, being transparent with each other. The second thing is that we need to avoid sinful anger. Don't permit sinful anger. Scripture says be angry and don't sin. There are things we should be upset about. There are things we should be angry about. But let me say this, being angry at your spouse is not one of them. That is the person who you are one with. And so we need to recognize the enemy. He wants to get you to deceive each other. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. That's a foothold that he wants to get. Two, he wants to get you angry with one another. He wants you fighting. He wants you arguing. He wants you about yourself, not viewing yourself as a hemisphere, but viewing yourself as a sphere that stands alone. And that begets nothing good. When I start to think that I can do this on my own by myself, what am I doing to us? You know, and here's the thing. The enemy will use her personality and my personality to work against each other in that scenario. I'm a very go-it-alone guy. I don't know if you know this about me. You know, like, I, let's go. I got the lead. We're going to do this thing. I'm very, I'm very, you know, proactive. And so what does that do to my sweet, humble, quiet wife when I just charge into something and I don't take a few minutes and slow down and make sure that she's with me, that she's right there with me, that she's linked arm in arm with me, that we're on the same page. Gals that, that are guys alike that understand what it's like to be more quiet and introverted, what does that feel like? feels like you're getting left behind, doesn't it? Does it feel like you're getting left behind? I mean, you should speak for yourself on that. I don't know. <laughs> okay so the third thing that i put on the slide in front of you is something of its own it is contained to itself and here's here's how i mean that when you think about the enemy getting a foothold you may think that he'll get you to be dishonest when you think about the enemy not giving satan opportunity or having a foothold you may think about how he makes you angry with each other but here's what i would say the enemy's foothold that i want to specifically point at in this scenario is that he's going to try and create bitterness and unforgiveness. Because of what's happened, and, and couples who've been married for decades, and like I said, the couples that are up here talking this morning, Sarah and I are the rookies of the group. We have seen bitterness and unforgiveness cause so many problems far deeper and reach far farther down the road than the initial conflict. Because... The lack of forgiveness will create bitterness in both of us. Now the enemy has a foothold that's in deep. And I really want to encourage you guys to think about this in your marriages. And for those who are single or like, I'm not even married. You need to make a regular practice of confession, repentance, and forgiveness in your marriage. Confess when you failed. Seek repentance with the Lord so that you can have repentance within your marriage. And don't let bitterness take root. You guys, this is the context that I think Paul was referring to in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. I think that's exactly what he's talking about. Now, that doesn't mean that we just take it for granted that our spouse is going to keep on forgiving us and keep sinning. For more on that, please see Romans 6. He says, should we sin more that the grace should abound more in reference to our salvation with the ways? Certainly not. Then we certainly wouldn't do that to our spouse either. 
We need real change. We need real counseling. We need real help in the midst of that. I think about how many people have gotten caught up, and this has been for guys and gals alike, who have gotten caught up in addictions to pornography. And because they said, I'm sorry, I repented of that, let's just move on. And the other person says, I want to be forgiving and I don't want to be bitter. It's okay. And then somehow this cycle just keeps going and going and going. You have an addiction problem. You need to get help for that problem. Now that help can be found in a number of different ways, but I want you guys to realize this. And this is for some of the young people who aren't married too. You realize that pornography and that kind of sexual sin runs in a different part of your brain than your marriage than your physical relationship with your spouse. That operates in a different part of the mind. If you think that some kind of miracle is going to happen when you get married or that you can just have this healthy relationship with your wife and not address that sin, or you can have this healthy relationship with your husband and not address that sin, you're wrong. You have to be liberated from it. They don't work together. They work against each other. And pornography and addiction to sexual sin runs in a different part of the mind. And that's why so many people think that when I get married, that's going to go away. Does that happen? What happens? It comes back. Because it's a different part of the brain. You're getting a dopamine hit from a different part of the brain. That's not connected to your real marriage, your real physical relationship. It's something that you have exchanged for that. And I'm here not, I'm here to say this to every believer in this room. Romans 8 still applies here. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He will work you through this. He's going to be faithful through this. He is going to get you to the other side, but don't hesitate to get help because you cannot do it on your own. In the same way that we are not called to be spheres in this sense of our marriage, we are not called to be spheres away from the help and the blessing and the encouragement of the body of Christ. You are part of a body. And what's happening in you when we give in to addiction is affecting the entire body. It's affecting all of us. So we need to be involved. We need to be connected. We need to be encouraging one another. And there are people that I have seen make amazing strides forward in health because they have the body around them. They have encouragement and they have those around them who know how to walk them through these things. We will get you help. We will come alongside you and walk as far as we need to go, but don't permit it. And don't think that your marriage is somehow going to be healthy when there is sexual sin in the midst of it. It will digress and it will create bitterness and it will bring brokenness. And you guys, that is not what Jesus has for you. That is not what he has called you to. He can heal you from that. And he can make your marriage whole. He is powerful enough. His spirit is faithful And he is working in us, you guys. Don't give in to the condemnation of the devil. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him one toe in the door of your marriage. Amen? I want to share one more thing with you guys. I talk a lot. I asked if she wanted to share different parts, by the way. I really didn't. She was like, please do the majority of the talking. Did you have anything to add? Not yet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we read that passage in Ephesians 4 right kind of using this this outline for it thinking about our marriages do you know what happens if you take one step backwards in that passage in Ephesians I did the the second thing first and now we're going to do the first thing I did it by design you ready look at this passage 
Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24, just prior to what we read. He was talking about the former life, and he says, But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. That's so good. That is such an amazing passage, especially when you think about what follows in verses 25 through 28. Now think about this. Jesus enables believers to do what with the old self? You can say it out loud. Hmm? Take it off. What do you think of when you think taking something off? It's like clothes, right? You think of clothes. He says, take that off. Get rid of that. When you take your clothes off, it's okay. This is a marriage seminar. What are you? You're naked. Cold. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> what were Adam and Eve in the garden? <laughs> I don't think they were cold, but maybe they were. I don't know. We, we, we can't see it outside of our context. Maybe they were cold. They were naked. Is there anything wrong with that? Why not? It's as God intended, perfect, perfect situation, no sin, Eden, right? What did we read? What was the setting of Genesis 1? Yep, paradise, Eden, right? Prior to sin, God created them, male and female, there they are. Here in this passage, Paul says, you know what? Take off that old self because of what Christ has done. He says, and put on what? He says, put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness. What is another way to say that that's very Genesis 1? God's image. He says, take off the old deceitful ways and put on God's likeness, the purity and the righteousness of who God is, Eden. You just got a picture in Ephesians 4, not only of what God wants to do in the church, but what he wants to do in your marriage. He wants to take you back to Eden. He wants to give you his likeness. He wants to give you the ability as a married couple to reflect his image in this world. This is so much bigger than what color the drapes are going to be. This is so much bigger than all of the things that we go through. And I'm not saying those things don't matter. They matter. The things that we're going through in life as a married couple, they matter. The day-to-day things, you know, the stuff that's going on with our kids. We have five kids, 20 to 12, like every two years. We're we're in this this thing right now where my oldest is going to get married this December, and my youngest is going to turn 13 in the spring, and we're going to have four teenagers all between the age of 19 and 13, and oh my gosh... But I can't let all that's going on in our home, all the things that happen on our day-to-day lives, I can't let that take precedent over. They matter, but take priority over the reality that God has called Sarah and I to be made into his likeness as one. To bring the truth of who God is and his character and reveal it to this world by the power of his Holy Spirit. 
all of the things that we do, reading the Bible, going to church, stuff that we do spiritually to encourage and, and, and build ourselves up. So many times we hear that in the church and it just becomes noise. I, I recognize that. Sometimes that becomes noise. Go home, read your Bible and pray. Should we do those things? Yeah. But why we do it matters. It's not just doing it. We're doing it because we love the Lord, because he first loves us. First John 4 tells us this. We love him because he first loves us. I come to pray because I adore him. I can't get enough of him. I want to be with him. I want to hear from him. I read his word and I see his character and his nature. And I look at my wife and I go, God is good. He gave me the definition of beauty for my soul to spend the rest of my life with. How good is God? How blessed are we? And he says, so be one with this person so that the world can see, God, I can't. He's like, I can. By my spirit, the Lord says this is possible. He can do it. And you guys, it's not something that we're going to have lined up for us and fixed in a quick session on a Saturday morning. I recognize that and be like, well, you're good to go. See you in 30 years. That's not going to happen. It doesn't work like that. This is a start. This is a launching pad for you to take serious steps towards being one with your spouse and recognizing that this is so much bigger than all of the other things. They matter, but keep the number one priority at the top. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king. And he reveals his character and his image through my marriage. And I want the whole world to see how faithful and wonderful our God is. I want to read this to you guys. I'll put it on the screen. It's small type. I apologize again. But um, this is a quote from Paul Tripp. And then I'll close us out. But I just want to read this over us because I think it's very impactful. And he says it in an amazing way. You never arrive at a location where he is not present. You never live in a relationship without him being there as well. You never face a disappointment, temptation, responsibility, obligation, opportunity, or calling without the resources of his grace. Please hear that. You never face any of these things without the resources of his grace. How resourceful is the grace of God? It's, it's, it's just fathomless. In your darkest moment, his grace lights your way. In your deepest disappointment, his love gives you hope. When you are weak and exhausted, his strength gives you reason to go on. When you are confused and don't know what to do, his wisdom gives you direction. In the moments when you feel wounded and alone, he comforts you with loving and healing hands. When you've lost your way, he seeks you and finds you and brings you back. Your hope of a long-term loving marriage is found in one place, God's love for you. Admit that you need it, and then give yourself to celebrating that this God of love has brought you and your spouse together for his glory and your good. And remember, he will not call you to a task without giving you in his grace what you need to do it. Father, thank you for that truth, for that encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that 
you have given us all that we need to accomplish the purpose of our lives here on this planet. And Jesus, that what awaits us is eternity with you. And oh, we long to see you face to face. Thank you for our spouses. Thank you for my wife. Thank you, Lord, for the way that our spouses complete us. By design, we are hemispheres that come together to make one sphere. And Lord, may we together, as we are sanctified in this life, may we continue to reveal your character and the beauty of who you are to this world. Lord, I pray for the marriages of the church, of the body of Christ. Would you shine through us? Would you strengthen every marriage around the globe? Lord, to reflect your glory, to show your character. And Lord, thank you for this amazing calling that we share. You've called us, Lord, to do this not only as a married couple, but Lord, as married couples in this ministry, specifically here in this church, but Lord, as, as we just recognize there's, there's churches represented here. Lord, you've called us to live this life, not only as a married couple, but together as your body. What an amazing thing you are doing as you build a kingdom for yourself here through your church. We thank you for that work, Lord. We thank you for this time to consider these things, Lord. Allow these encouraging words, Lord, that I, I just pray have been an encouragement to take root deep in our hearts and to give us strength. And Lord, we thank you and we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Really quick, um, I want to encourage you guys to embrace God's love and grace and to share that with each other. Um, and maybe that feels like a giant task depending on your circumstance. So let me, let me just say this. Um, do the next right thing. Ray Ortland said that in a podcast I was listening to recently. I think a lot of times we get overwhelmed by the big picture. Do the next right thing in your marriage. Do the next right thing for your family. Look at what God is giving you to do today and do the next right thing. Um, if you guys want additional resources um, or next steps for couples to just to continue to invest in your marriage, there's a number of books I would recommend. Um, and if you have your notepads, I recommend reading Marriage by Paul Tripp together. Um, God, Sex, and Your Marriage by Julie Slattery. Thank you, Amy, for that. That was a gem. You don't, you have no idea what it was like me sitting in, you know, the library, you know, in my sweats reading God, Sex, and Your Marriage by myself. And my wife walks in like, what are you reading? And listening to Kenny G. I'm just kidding. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but I got in touch. It's a good book. It's really good. And um, I, I recommend as well, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland is an amazing book about just letting the Lord heal your heart um, through a lot of different life experiences. So um, we're going to take a 10 minute break and then we're going to come back. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm stoked. I can't wait to hear from Bill and Jeanette because these two bless me on a regular basis. So um, feel free to grab snacks, grab coffee, use the restroom in 10 minutes. We'll come back and, and do it again. Yes, Amy. Do you guys want to ask us questions? Uh, let's, let's take a couple. I'll take a couple. We got time. Yes. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as resources, I think um, some of those books that I mentioned are great to help you with that, with processing what your, your spouse is going through. In the real, in the real sense of it, this has been my perspective, and I'll let you speak to it as well. Um, I've come to this place where I want to be Job's friends before they turned into punks. So what I do, and I mean that, um, I try to meet her where she is and stay there. And I, and, and for my wife, and this may be different for all of you, but in, in different scenarios, I try to sit with her and just let her talk when she's ready. And if she's down and she's sad, I'll sit there with her. Scripture tells us to mourn with those who mourn. And even if I don't know what that is, I'm going to sit with her there until we can start working our way out. Be patient with each other. Be patient with each other. Guys, here's the thing. I realize that many of us are fix-it Felix. And we want to run in, I can fix this. And we want to patch it all up because we just want our wife to be happy. Right? Don't do that. Sit with her. And this is just, I want you to give the gal's perspective, but guys, sit with her, listen to her. If she's not talking, maybe you shouldn't. Just sit with her and meet her there. And don't be quick to try and diagnose and fix the problem. Be present for as long as she needs you to be. You got something going that day? Cancel it. I mean that. Be willing to cancel something for your wife whenever they need you to. Just be present. Be there for them. If, if we really believe what Scripture says about our marriages being so important, then we need to prioritize them over all the other relationships, all the other things. And I'm not saying that we won't have to go when things are like, okay, I, I have this responsibility. But so many times we could cancel something, we could prioritize, and we don't. And that's my bad. That's something that I recognized from 17 years of ministry that not often enough did I say, I'm not going, someone can cover, I'm staying home. I, I should have stayed home more, 100%. Any advice for the gals? Wow, maybe a little. Okay, so I come from the opposite end of him, obviously, where I would rather not speak, and I'm quiet, well, most of the time, sometimes I'll say things that I shouldn't say. Um, but he is on the opposite end, so he will, when he's frustrated, will speak and speak and speak a lot. And initially in our marriage, I thought, oh, man, he's so mad at me. Like, you know, you kind of feel like it's like coming at you a little bit, even though it wasn't like anything said towards me personally. Um, and some of that is just my upbringing, too, but I learned that just being a listening ear and him being able to communicate out loud was healing for him personally. So kind of figuring out what that looks like for him. I think we're still learning how to listen to each other yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think that keeping that perspective is important. We are still learning how to hear each other always. And um, Bill and Jeanette will probably have a better perspective on that from 60 plus years of marriage. But I know that at 20 plus years in, we are still learning how to hear each other. And I think just being patient because love is patient. It's the first thing that love is defined as in first Corinthians 13. Love is patient. And what's the second love is kind. If you start with patience and kindness, you are going to get a long way down the road of your marriage being healthy. If you start with patience and kindness with each other, any other questions?
Bill has one in the back. Mike, I'll come right back to you. Bill, go ahead. Or Bob, sorry. I said Bill. I was thinking Bill and looked at you, Bob. No, we had one break. I, you I had to bring it up. <laughs> terrible. We are literally going to have to get two more chairs because one broke. If this doesn't make sense, I'll explain to you the chair problem. It's been a, it's been an issue. Yeah, Mike would. Just in reference to like meeting her where she is, like in that dark place, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I would say this. I would compare it to our relationship with the Lord, right? If I'm in a dark place, is the Lord no longer with me? Or is he powerfully present in my weakness? Is he powerfully present? Does he demonstrate his strength in my weakness? Is his power even perfected in my weakness? That's exactly what we're seeking to do for each other as we minister the heart of Christ to each other. Is like, I want my wife to know I am present in those moments. I'm here. And that's what the Lord does for us. That's that heart. We're not, we're not broken in our relationship with Jesus when we're in a, a sad place, when we're in a depressed place or a dark place. The enemy wants to make you think you are. But can anything separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing can. Let us be that way with our spouse as well. That's the heart of meeting them there. Is I want to be powerfully present in those moments, just like Jesus is for me. So, okay, we're going to take that break and let you guys do what you need to do. It's, uh, let's still do 10 minutes and we'll be right back here and we'll get started. Sound good? Okay.